Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and I'm excited for another wonderful guest joining us today from Vancouver. And we are going to be speaking with Rassi, who is a leadership coach, best-selling author and speaker, and she helps businesses and corporate leaders lead their teams more effectively through self-leadership. She was born and raised in Sri, Sri, Sri Leone and moved to Canada for a better future. She's the founder of RB Jumpstart Coaching and RB Jumpstart Mentorship. Welcome to the show, Rassi. Thank you, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And, and uh, Rassi and I were talking just before we went live. And I said, with her last name, she as she says it to me, she says it so beautifully. So I said, um, Rassi, I want you to introduce with your last name. So Rassi, say your full last name for us. <laughs> My name is Rassi Bummy Buddy. Uh, one, and, more time, one more time, one more time, buddy. Uh, and you know, you know what's interesting, Kristen? There will be some Nigerians that might be listening to this, and they're like, "Oh, she's totally not saying it correctly." But it's my last name, so I'm going to say the way it rolls off my tongue, and uh, and we're just going to go with it. I love it. I love it. So, um, Rasi, I always like to give people a chance at the beginning of the podcast to just talk to us a little bit more about your story. What got you to where you are right now? And you can bring us anywhere. So when you're starting to share your story, this could be back to Rasi when you were five, or it could be some of those poignant moments on the journey that got you to where you are now, because I think we are just so wired to connect through story. So I'm, I'm excited for our guests to get to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so I'll kind of go back all the way back to like, you know, I was born in Sierra Leone and uh, I grew up there until I was about 11 years old. And one thing I always remember is uh, my parents were very, very firm on you got to get an education. And that's something that was a foundation for me and, uh, and even to where I'm at right now. It's a very strong foundation they laid um, that I'm always learning. I'm always curious to learn from everybody, including my four-year-old niece. I pay attention. What can I learn from her? That resiliency, right? Um, So that Sierra Leone went through the Civil War. And um, so I moved to Canada from there. I lived in the Gambia previously for about a year and a half and moved to Canada, went to high school here. And then I worked my way through uh, the corporate ladder in McDonald's, Starbucks, uh, Vancouver International Airport. And I have about 14 plus uh, years of uh, leadership experience. So I absolutely just love, love. I love self-leadership. I love walking the talk and inspiring and coaching other leaders to do the same in, in their line of work and at their pace. 
Yeah. I yeah. love that. And when you think about, so I hear one of the things that uh, as a, uh, when you were younger, learning was really embedded in how important it is to have that front and center in education. And I think there's some other times there's these, these milestones, there are these moments in our life that cause us to pause and take a step back and, you know, really perhaps our world shifts and we start to see things differently. Um, so I'd love to hear for you, what have been some of those, those milestones or I'm even cognizant of using the words milestones, because it might not be something that was necessarily that you were expecting to happen and you were looking forward to happening, which we kind of think of milestones perhaps as celebrations, but I guess we'll talk a bit more about some of those poignant moments on your journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I can recall uh, one thing right now is uh, I wanted to be a doctor, right? Like with growing up, I always wanted that. My my dad's a retired engineer. My mom's a nurse, and she's still working. And all of my siblings have degrees, masters. Like you know, they're they're still some of them are still in school. Um, but like when I finished uh, grade twelve. I realized I'm like, mm, I don't know about post-secondary, but I like reading books and I like leading my teams and working um, as an operations manager at McDonald's. Let me see where this takes me, right? Um, so that was like a, a realization for me that leadership is it. Um, I didn't word it leadership then, but leading teams and helping um, people see their potential and they've never been aware of it. And just that, that light that comes up, right? Like that glow that you see, it's just very fulfilling for me. And I needed, I wanted more of that. Like I was very, um, I don't know, I want to use the word addicted, but I wanted more. I was like, give me more of this. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like even as you're talking about, you're getting lit up as anyone who's watching, some of you might be watching this later on on video. Um, You can see Rassi is like totally lit up as she's talking about. And that's when, you know, you're really using your gifts and your talents and you're in that zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And I know that self-leadership is something that's really important to you. And it's really important to me as well. I talk a lot about Mm -hmm. that on the show and, and with the leaders that I support and also my overarching mission, which really is about humanizing work. And to me, part of that humanizing work is that Mm self-leadership peace because if that doesn't happen you can't create as human environments because the leaders aren't doing the work as well but I want to hear from your perspective when you say self-leadership what does that mean to you it's um it's put in it's like put in myself first um in terms of my education my learning um how how I lead and how I show up in the world how I embrace everything within me. So my truth and even the things I don't like, the things I do like and uh, inspiring uh, my team through my actions and uh, getting them to take action because of what they've seen and observed. Not necessarily what I'm saying, but what I'm actually doing in action. Um, And and it was, uh, it became like very apparent to me uh, when I uh, was working at Starbucks. So I got hired on as an operations manager. And usually when um, you get hired on, you go through all the different steps of training, you know, barista, barista trainer, supervisor, assistant manager, all of it. Um, and while you're running um, at the store and stuff. And I remember um, this 
like thought just came to my mind. I'm like, oh, wow, I need to walk the talk more. And, uh, and, and it's interesting, like I had, um, I had room to improve and talk in the walk. I, I liked my actions to show what I'm doing. And unfortunately, in terms of lacking that uh, strength in talking the walk and kind of nervous when top leadership is around, I lost out on some opportunities. But again, that was a learning for me. Like, okay, you don't just walk the talk, but you also talk the walk as well and share because some people are not there consistently seeing your actions that you need to speak up and be empowered to do that. And and, and as a result, my team does the same as well. So it was like a whole rolling effect just uh, with that transition into Starbucks. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, that conversation actually showed up with a client this week when we were talking about negotiating and she realized that, that so often she's assuming that people are seeing what she's doing behind the scenes. And then she recognized oh, actually I need to be going there and telling people because they're not in her day to day. They're not watching everything. The people who need to make the decisions in terms of compensation, moving up into other positions and promotions. And I see this a lot, even more with women from my experience. And I know there's actually a lot of research to support this, where many times um, men will be more likely to go and talk about the things that they're doing. Whereas women sometimes will feel like, well, humility is about they just yeah. see what I'm doing. I don't have to go over there and tell them what I'm doing. And it can be a lot of lost yeah. opportunities. Oh, it, it ex- extremely. And I, I remember times in meetings where I, when I started to speak up and um, I put my hand up and I won't get like a literally like my direct report would be looking around the room. Anybody else? And I was like, what? But so it was like I was being too transparent and speaking, um, like I was that only that black female speaking up and uh, and very empowered. So I needed to not let that be the reason why I stopped. I didn't want. I I had to keep going because I was like, oh, okay, I'm get people feeling uncomfortable that I'm speaking up now. It's not my responsibility to make them feel comfortable. So let me continue this behavior because I'm going to impact my teams. And now I help my clients with that through it, right? Like that conversation with self and then speaking up and, and then empowering your teams to do the same. It's like a whole cycle effect. Yeah. Thank you for sharing because I'm all, I'm curious, Susan, around your experience as a black female, did you sometimes recognize times where you specifically felt like even more so you were holding yourself back based on some of the systemic things that happen within the system, right? Where, Mm -hmm. um, what was that experience like for you? How did you, did you sometimes talk to other black women to see what their experience was? What was your way of getting support and having community and talking through? Um, Because you're right, like the onus doesn't have to make other people feel comfortable. That's their work to do. That's not Mm -hmm. your work to do. But you also need to have somewhere where you have the support and resources because it takes a lot out of you as well. Mm-hmm. And is, is this like one, uh, uh, like the muscle of asking for help? Uh, that's something that I needed to learn how to do. Um, just like in terms of you asking with uh, where do I go for support? Like who is my community? 
Um, I, I remember getting feedback uh, from a direct report because someone on my team was like, oh, Rassi's being too assertive. And uh, it's not necessarily um, coming down like tougher on that individual, but I speak assertively. Like I speak with uh, a lot of passion. And when that comes through, uh, sometimes it could be intimidating and uh, it's not my intention. Um, so I actually had to uh, kind of like shift my style of speaking um, depending on who my audience is. And also like checking in like, hey, what, like, what's your take from what we just discussed, making sure like that's understood. And also um, doing like a round table of uh, with my team, like, hey, I'm not going to take this personal, but let me know what do I need to do better to be better, to be better. And I, I remember sweating and I'm like shaking. It's like, why am I doing this? What am I doing this? I don't need to do it. Let me back up. But I was like, no, I need to do this because I need to do better. I need to support my team. And uh, but it was like, actually, uh, one day I got introduced to like a different manager that I was reporting to. And just the way she showed up, her name's Enid. And she just showed up authentically and she'll laugh out loud and she had like her body wraps and, uh, and she just spoke to everybody, anybody. And she was like the same all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could show up just as I am, you know? And, uh, cause I, I had a moment where I was like a direct report said to me, you need to not laugh out so loud in meetings. Like it's not professional. And I was like, kind of took off, off guard and like, why, like, why can't I laugh out loud? So I kind of tone it down a bit, a bit. And then when I met Enid, I was like, oh my goodness, I can bring out my sense of humor. I can say my ridiculous jokes, like while I'm leading my teams and stuff, they can laugh at me. That's okay. I'm having the boss of my life. Um, but yeah, that's where I started leading in my truth and really embracing this is who I am. And this is what I have to offer within, within my environment to my teams. Let's, let's just do that. Let's just lead in our truth. And it's, uh, and it just brings out a whole different type of joy, like from the core. Yes. Yes. I mean, what a great example of what authenticity really looks like, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what it looks like to bring your whole place to your whole self to work. Yes. Because it is exhausting to actually like you naturally want to laugh and then to be holding yourself back. It's like you're holding a piece of yourself <laughs> yeah. out away from people. And that's, and you know, it, it, Brene Brown does a lot of work around this in terms of armoring up, right? You're not yes. being who you are and people mm -hmm. naturally connect more to who you are when you're showing up authentically and those people who are saying oh too much laughing again that's their work because there's something that it triggers in them because yes. maybe when they were little they were told stop the laughing we need mm -hmm. to be serious and so for them to see that it's yeah. bringing up some it's triggering them because they didn't have the permission and perhaps they authentically actually want to laugh more too yes yes <laughs> So and, interesting. I, and what I love, Kristen, is like the energy that we give out when we're, we're in that space, right? It's sometimes you don't even have to speak and you just pull people in yeah. just with, you know, just a picture or a smile or a, just one sentence that you type in a message and, and just like the feedback you get from the other end. Or for instance, if I'm walking down the street and I look over and smile at someone that's walking on the opposite end, 
and they just have this big smile back and they're like, thank you. And I was like, what? This is so awesome. I just want to feed more of this. Right. Yeah. yeah, it re- reminds me of that story, actually, um, when I was doing the commute uh, pre-COVID and pre-me having my own business so about five years ago, and I would go from where I am in the suburbs to Toronto and be taking mm. the GO train. And, you know, there's a lot of adulting and serious business that happens in the GO train, right? Like everyone's like, we're <laughs> off to our jobs, like no smiling. And then especially even walking from the offices, I, I would just see all of these people who just look quite miserable and unhappy. So I was like, well, my goal is I'm just going to be around there smiling all the time to the point that I didn't, I think I was doing it so often that I didn't even realize I was smiling. And then the person would all of a sudden smile back and be like, oh, I I guess I'm smiling. I didn't even realize I'm doing it. I had built that muscle. And I always, I I believe like, I think that that, and I, I really love that that was happening for them in the morning before they started the day, because I think it can shift their energy as well, because yeah, a smile and, and showing up as who you are and not feeling like you have to hold yourself back. And sometimes that might've looked like I'm having a conversation with a stranger yes. in the train too. And, and yeah. so many great dialogues happened because we're yeah. humans who want to connect with one another. And sometimes that means being a bit courageous and being curious and doing something that might feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so necessary. We, we, we absolutely need that connection. We need it. Yeah, we do. do. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for the self-leadership piece. When you think about the different leaders you've worked with, either when you're doing your training or when you've worked one-on-one, what are some of the patterns that you notice around opportunities for growth when it comes Mm -hmm. to self-leadership? Um, the, the biggest gap is, uh, especially, um, high performing leaders, that they take care of their team, um, but they, they lack that self, uh, self-care, that self-love. Um, and also, uh, I'd probably say, um, like same for high-performing uh, leaders, they uh, tend to, you know, like they, they get to a point where they're like, oh, okay, I've done everything I possibly can, but I'm still not getting that result that I want you know, and, uh, and cause they're not looking at it from an objective view. And what I love, especially if I'm on a sales call is I'll ask the questions and this, uh, my, a prospect will tell me the answers and I instantly know, okay, this is where we're going to start. And you can just see the glow and the light, the light that just like comes through their eyes, like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Um, and, and I think, uh, emotional intelligence is a, it's a big, um, gap as well. Uh, that's something that I've noticed with like every client I've worked with is how they get in touch with their emotions. So that stillness, that, uh, vulnerability, that it's okay to laugh. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset about something. It's okay to be frustrated. Um, and just, you know, naming that emotion and staying still with it so you can discover more. And, uh, and the reason why, you know, like I chose, okay, I'm going to help my clients with this because I was that leader that didn't cry. You know, I, I will wait till I go home and then I'll just like break down completely. Um, I'll share with you a story actually, uh, after the Fort McMurray's, uh, Fort, sorry, the fire in Fort McMurray in 2016, I went back and we reopened our stores um, in Fort McMurray and uh, Starbucks actually brought in a grief, uh, grief counselor. Um, in tra- so like trauma counselor, 
um, to do a group uh, group work with me and my team. And Kristen, this like just threw me off. Like it came out of nowhere. I was not planning on crying. I'm like, I'm strong. I'm a strong black woman. I got this. Like, you know, I'm going to be there for my team. And we're doing, so she's asking questions, but no one's speaking because, you know, they waiting for that one person to say something. And so I start talking about like what I've been feeling and what I've been carrying. Um, And one of the parts of me asking, I always ask people like, how are you today? And I needed to shift that a bit. I needed to change that question because I was carrying a lot that I couldn't, I couldn't like physically and emotionally carry it in my heart. Um, I needed to like slow down and take care of myself first. So as I was sharing that, I started crying and it was this deep cry, you know, the boo-boo cry that you're like, I don't want to do this in public. And in uh, the moment that happened, I remember one, uh, one of my supervisors looked over, you are human. I was like, yes. It was, it was crazy, but, um, the outcome of that, like my team grew so much stronger together and my team trusted me with, uh, you know, crying, um, in, you know, our one-on-ones cause they're frustrated about something. They're going through something at home. Um, I, I was able to create that safe space by just being vulnerable and allowing myself to feel. So now working with my clients and coaching them through that process is like, it's okay for you to feel your emotion. It's okay to be human, um, like as a leader, and you don't have to know it all. You can hire experts on your team to help your team uh, get to where you want to be, those results, those goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're talking my language. I mean, this is my, I love emotional intelligence. I just emotional intelligence and, and mindfulness and the presence piece, because my experience is so many leaders are leading from the head up. And so yes, there's intelligence here. It's not going anywhere. We love our minds and the thinking mm-hmm. and all that can happen from there, but they're not tapping, tapping into two other pieces of intelligence. They've got their heart and what can be happening. That also has intelligence. Our heart has a brain that's happening there. And then our body, yes. which is so good at getting our attention. And um, a lot of the leaders that I'm working with, all of them are are high performers as well. And so as high performers, they tend to be, we push through, we keep checking the doing, doing, doing. And so it's like, it's kind of like, there's no time. I, I'm thinking of a movie where they said that there's like, no, there's no crying in baseball. Well, now it's like, there's no, there's no, there's no time to yeah. experience the emotion. So then they just keep pushing it down. And oh. it's, it's not, um, that's not how we were designed, right? We're not mm-hmm. supposed to be robots no, no, <laughs> that are just pushing through things. And and the human experience is to have those ebbs and flows. Yes. And it's reminding me as well, when you're talking about that, I remember my son, my nine-year-old telling me this last week, and he's been having some mental well-being challenges with everything going on with the pandemic and just some other personal challenges that he's had. And so he he's actually a great role model of someone who's very comfortable releasing anger and very comfortable releasing crying. And of course I encourage that, you know, we want to figure out some healthier ways to release the anger, but the sadness, like, great release it, let it out. It's so good. But it was so interesting when he reflected back to me. So my goal as a mom has always been, okay, I want to stay calm. I want to stay centered. I want to support him. 
And he said to me the other day that he was crying and he said afterwards, well, it doesn't really feel like you care about me because you're not crying when I'm upset. And I said, I beautiful for him to reflect that back. Cause there's a part of him that felt, well, if the person's not crying, like I'm crying, then they don't care. And it, it was such a beautiful reflection back. And, you know, of course I try to release, sometimes it's just not there to be released in that moment. It might be a little bit later, but he, he even reflected, like, I don't see you cry a lot. And I thought, oh, you know, there's probably times where if I am feeling overwhelmed, I might go into another room. Mm. Sometimes I need to stay in that room and cry with them because then yeah. he doesn't see mommy as this person over here who doesn't cry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm human and I cry too. Wow. That's powerful. That's for a nine-year-old. That's uh, that's a strong reflection. <laughs> yeah. So there, I always like the thing is there's there's all this feedback that can be coming up at it, coming mm-hmm. to us all the time. We just have to be open yes. to listening and hearing. Right there, I wasn't getting defensive. Like I can't believe. I'm like, thank you, thank yeah. you for saying that, and. Yeah for, for feeling comfortable enough to share what's on your mind. And I think what I hear you saying is that we also want to create work environments where that's happening so that people are sharing openly and connecting human to human. Yeah. Like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, and even that, um, that pause, right. That pause to like reflect before you pivot. Um, it's something that I intentionally do like through even my content on social media, uh, like all the content that I put out there, it's, I put it out with the intention. I want my audience to pause, to reflect on this message and then pivot. Cause it's, uh, it's so important, especially when we're in the midst of you trying to make a decision, just that, you know, maybe sometimes the pause has to be 24 hours before you come to a conclusion. Okay. This is what I want to do. Cause I think sometimes, uh, especially in leadership and corporate or in business, we, 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 we could talk about like time, right? They were like, okay, time is not in my favor. And there's a power in planning ahead and saying, okay, I'm going to put this in my calendar at 12 PM every single day. I'm going to pause and just reflect on how my day's going. I'm going to pause and just reflect on how, how am I, what are the steps that I need to take to get closer to my goal? Yeah, you're reminding me, I have a lot of clients where they put in, there's a couple of different apps. Um, Mind Joggers one, I don't use Mind Jogger because I have an Android. There's another one where you can have a notification that comes up. So I have one because I'm always working on mindfulness and presence and being in the present moment. So mine, this actually comes from Conscious Leadership Group. They do a lot of work around this. And it says, um, what's here if there's no problem to solve? And like really sitting with that, like what's here right now, if there's no problem to solve, because our mind, our head is always like, well, there's something else or something else. Where are we going? What do I have to solve? But when you just sit in it and just say like right here in this moment, what's Mm -hmm. actually here Mm -hmm. presence. Like right now we can just be here and be in this present moment. And for me, it really works as an anchor to bring myself back. For some people that question might look different, which is just like, where am I right now? Yeah. yeah. Where am I? What, what, what might I need in this moment? And it might even be with your suggesting to have it saying pause Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. six or seven times during the day. Yeah. Which also yeah. could be the pause could also be, Hey, maybe we're going to do some mindful breathing for mm-hmm. don't be crazy, but maybe like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. when you do that, then when you come back to whatever else you were doing, it looks different. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Yeah. Like I, I have, uh, they, they just keep popping up, like go for a walk or drink water, look away from the screen. Um, all these, uh, and I know it feeds my energy and I encourage like my clients to do the same or even more or whatever works for them at their pace. Right. Cause it takes, um, it takes a few, it takes quite a few days to build that practice and to trust it. And in order to see the result and then you keep feeding it because, okay, this is the outcome. I want, I like this. I want more of it. Yes. 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 What you're saying reminds me of those rituals, because Mm -hmm. if you start to do those rituals outside of work, which sometimes that ritual might be okay, because with this online world and with not going into the office, a lot of people don't have those transition periods that they used to have. So they need to say Mm -hmm. like, okay, it's five o'clock if that's their time. Yeah. I need to physically close my computer or close the office door. Or I yeah. know with some of my clients, they might, um, as they transition to the end of the day, might listen to music for a couple of minutes or a podcast or something. Mm-hmm. So when they're going from work to back to their personal, they have something to just get regrounded and transition yeah. before they're going back to the back, back to their personal life. Mm-hmm. Or like washing your face. Like that's something that I do. <laughs> Yeah. Ah. Like once I'm done for the day, I was like, okay, I was going to wash my face. And that's the indicator. Okay. We're going offline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It's almost like telling your nervous system. Okay. We're going to slow down and we're moving to another place. Mm -hmm. I'm curious when you think about inspirational leadership, because to me, that's what, what this podcast is all about. And a lot of the things that we've talked about today are about what it looks like to be an inspirational leader. But I'm curious from your perspective, if we're, if you're really thinking about, you know, what are some of those behaviors that you see in an inspirational leader, what shows up for you? Um, I, I want to say on learning, uh, cause it's like, uh, there's a lot of things, um, a lot of different skills that we're taught like along our journey of leadership, um, either we're aspiring or in leadership. Um, and we can, we need to continue to unlearn and learn at the same time. And, uh, and really coming from a space of curiosity, I think that's another great muscle to, uh, flex. Like Wendy would say that, um, and Wendy battles and, uh, asking a lot of questions, and, and this is something that I work through with like my clients, you coming from a place of curiosity, asking lots of questions and really letting go of those assumptions. Um, I think that actually it, it stumps our growth. Like it really just keeps you in one place and you're not able to pivot because you've already made an assumption. So that's what it is. Um, on the other hand, if you come from a space of, Hey, what happened here? Or what is this moment trying to teach me? Or what can I learn from this? Or what, what can I observe from my team member right now that I, what can I learn from them today? Um, and the next part, I'd say that intentional, um, being very intentional with, uh, the actions that we take, uh, when we wake up in the morning, what setting the intention for the day grounding ourselves, uh, even before interacting with the world. 
Um, yeah, those are definitely like the, the things that come up for me, like when I think of an inspirational leader and definitely walk into talk. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk all about the values. And we have these wonderful, beautiful values that are written, but if we're not living yeah. and breathing those behaviors, mm-hmm. then it's just, it's a, just an exercise. It's a checkbox and it's not yeah. having the impact it's designed to have. Mm-hmm. The One other thing I want to ask you about, cause we were talking about this as well, just before the podcast is I know a lot of leaders, even especially right now, felt feel like from a productivity standpoint, there's so many demands that their container feels really full, pulled in all these different directions. And you were talking beautifully because you are someone who has a lot on your plate. (laughs) However, you're very intentional around what's on your plate and how you're using your time. And so I know there's people listening right now who are asking themselves, how could I be more intentional and effective with my time? Mm -hmm. What shows up for you around that one? Yeah, like uh, I actually do uh, monthly uh, workshops on uh, self-leadership uh, skills and uh, it's, uh, it's called uh, self-leadership uh, workshop series if uh, our audience were to search that on Eventbrite um, and I go through the what, um, the how of, uh, of time. So making time for what adds value. So first of all, you need to know what you're spending your time on. If you, if I don't know what I'm spending my time on, I can't exactly fix uh, the problem or close any gap, right? So it's kind of like if you go to a store to uh, buy a shirt and you just show up, you have no idea if there's money in your bank account or not. And you just show up like, okay, let me just take the chance. Um, I think a lot of leaders are taking chances with the time. Uh, and also the, so that involves uh, taking inventory. I take my clients through this tedious process. Uh, they don't like it, uh, but it's very, very um, beneficial once they've completed it. It's very eye-opening. You discover um, a lot of like what, you know, like an example would be that scrolling. You know, you have your phone and you're scrolling through it. It's a news or the internet or posts and stuff. And you realize it's two hours gone by because, you know, Rassi said, take inventory of my time. And I just found two hours right there that I can just spend five hours and be intentional of what posts I look at and what different, what categories and, and get your other hour and 55 minutes back and uh, put that towards where it's going to add value. So it could be that spending time with your family because that makes you happy and it fulfills you. Or it could be spending an extra hour on your business because that's going to bring you more income. Um, and, uh, and the other thing as well that I encourage uh, my clients to do, and I cover this in the workshop, is uh, writing down the value beside like each task that needs to be completed. What does that look like? It could be, it could be time with family. It could be um, money. It could be uh, like what you feel on the inside. So like literally writing all those down beside the task, why you need to do it, especially the ones that you don't like doing and you don't enjoy and, uh, and flex in the ask for help muscle. Mm, 
So good. Cause I could see how, um, outside of work, there can be lots of, well, inside of work as well, but there can be lots of numbing activities that are happening, which is not yeah. dealing with actually what's going on. Yeah. And so, cause your body is getting your attention, but you don't want to be with it. Um, and then also within the workplace, there could be times where, and I see this one a lot, especially as leaders work their way up in the organization and they're now in more senior roles, mm-hmm. that they're doing too many things that are bringing yeah. them into the weeds that are not a good use of their time. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Some of them, they, some of those things they might've really loved. There might've been things that they love as an individual contributor, but as people leaders, there's other things that are actually priorities right now. So I, I, I've had this, I've had some clients do this as well, and I've done it for myself and it's always enlightening. Yeah. And it comes with that trust as well, right? Like, uh, you, you have to build that trust and it comes with a lot of conversations that you have to have with your teams and, uh, a lot of follow-up. It's uh, and planning this in your calendar, like this is what I need to do. This is what it looks like as a bulk in the whole year. Let me break it down and go backwards of what that looks like so that I can reach that goal and that result. It is very time consuming, but it it's necessary, right? Like it's like um, I've seen this somewhere, you know, when you plan to when you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Yeah. 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 I say the same thing around. You have to take back your day instead of somebody else taking your day. Right. Cause there's a lot of where other people's emergencies and priorities become your emergency, but it really isn't. They yeah. frame it as an emergency, but it really isn't actually yeah. an emergency. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and an example too, like in, uh, in 2021, um, so I wrote, I wrote and published my book in about 60 days. I was very, very intentional about it. I hired a coach because I knew I needed a structure. I needed to hire accountabilities because I've been trying to do it on my own for years and never got past a chapter. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, but I'm writing words, but I don't know how to put it all together. And, uh, and within that 60 days, I was writing my book. I was working a full-time job and I'm growing my business. I'm like coaching two to three clients at a time during that period. And I, and it's because of my inventory, I periodically take inventory of my time. I'm very clear on what my priorities are, like what takes, what, what is number one, what's number two and number three. And, and then everything else kind of like falls into place. There's some things that I needed to sacrifice, you know, maybe I couldn't be on a call with my family for two hours. Maybe it's, uh, I'm just on the call for an hour and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, Right. And, uh, and, and the thing is to like, with my coaching program, I don't, I don't coach my clients through things I haven't tried. So it's things that I've walked, walked the walk, walked the talk and I've uh, seen what the results are. And, and then I honor their pace in them reaching those results, like on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. Mm-hmm. Rossi, as we start to wrap up today's conversation, uh, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, so there's 24 hours in each day that we all have. Right. And um, a lot of times we see leaders or we see um, successful business owners or entrepreneurs doing all these different things. And, and, you know, I sometimes we wonder, like, how do they get to do all this and, uh, and not burn out? And, um, 
and the, the beautiful part is like, we like leaders can do a few things. Um, making sure you're asking for help, flexing that muscle, because it's okay. It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay to learn what to do. And sometimes you don't have time to do it that you need to ask for help. And the other part is like delegating, um, you know, getting your team involved. Uh, and this is for leaders that are leading teams, trusting your team and getting, and the last part is like getting the right people on your team to support you with this. Because if you don't have the right people that are passionate about like the work, the mission, the values, it's uh, tough to get to where you want to be. Yeah. So use the 24 hours wisely. Yeah. Such good advice. Uh, Rossi, where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And uh, you can also uh, search uh, self-leadership workshop series. Um, you can uh, uh, event bright and I do monthly workshops and you can register for that to get an idea of like how I work and, uh, and what is possible, like in terms of like my style and the results. Um, yeah, that's uh, where they can find me. And yeah. And also you can pick up my book, leading your truth. It's on, it's in, on Amazon. It is a bestseller. Um, it includes real life examples of, um, how you can lead more authentically in your leadership role. Amazing. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. Rossi, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Kristen. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And to everybody, wherever you are in the world right now, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're sending tons of love. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.